Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to the In Control Family Foundation Safe Driving Podcast. And today I have with me Jeremy Randall. Hello, Jeremy. Hello, everybody. And Jeremy is our Director of Operations here at In Control. And we also are joined by Mike Kane. Hi, Mike. Hi, Dan. How are you? Great. Thanks, Mike. And thank you for joining us. Mike, in addition to working with us here at In Control as an instructor, you have a pretty interesting past. So maybe you can share that with our listeners. Sure. Um, well, I, I worked for the Boston Police Department um, for 31 years. I just recently retired in January. While I was working for the police department, I, I also was a um, an instructor for Dedham Auto School uh, from 2007 to 2017, uh, and I probably trained um, well over a thousand uh, young drivers, young new drivers uh, during that period. Well, that's a perfect background to help us today with talking about city driving, and we're going to help parents. With this particular skill set, what we're asking you to do is find a busy urban street and start when the traffic's light. We don't want you to show up during rush hour or head into Boston after a Red Sox game. We really are looking for you to start when you can find some light traffic and then move up to the more complicated, heavier traffic times. But Jeremy, maybe we can start with you going through the skills and then we'll tackle this. When you're talking about city driving, there's just so much going on. It can be pretty overwhelming for a new driver. So I would say first step, just make sure that they're ready for this point. And this is one of the reasons Dan mentioned, you know, we want a busier area, but not at a busy time, just to give them, a, you know, the ability to, to start there. Um, and we want to work on a couple skill sets to start. What we're really looking for is really good decision making. And to make good decisions, you need information. So we want to make sure that we have good visibility, that we have proper space between us and everything around us to be able to maneuver if we need to, and also for visibility. And then we're trying to give ourselves time, right? We want to be able to anticipate when things might go wrong and be able to predict what might happen next so we can make adjustments. And we can often do that uh, with speed in our overall position. So they all sort of interact with one another there. But those are sort of the, the base areas we're going to look at, especially early in the city driving lessons. Let's kick off with lesson one. And the concept here is maximizing visibility in space. We want to have your team focus on making decisions that will maximize both their visibility and space around the vehicle. So I think uh, if you've been listening to this podcast, you've heard me say this before, keep your eyes up. And I'm sorry to keep harping on that, but it's such a big deal. So many people, especially new drivers, tend to drop their eyes to what's right in front of them. And we want to make sure our eyes are up. We're looking around at, at, at things further down the road, and we're keeping our field of vision as wide as we possibly can. And by doing that, you're going to see things so much sooner, and you're going to be able to react to them uh, so much smoother as well. Nothing will have to be done abruptly and aggressively when you can see things and decide what to do about it with time. So that's going to be the biggest thing. And when you talk about space around your vehicle, we're going to bring that speed down a little bit. We're going to try to leave larger gaps between us and the car in front of us. It gives us more options. It also increases that visibility, like I said. So those are really the, the main areas we want to look at. And we want to have this same, the same modeling that we've been using throughout these lessons. So first, take your driver through that downtown area, maybe around lunchtime or a little bit later in the evening after rush hour and everything is over and talk through what you're doing, that your eyes are up, that you're 
you're keeping that speed down to give you more options, that you're leaving more space between you and the car in front of you, and then have them repeat that same stuff back to you as they're going, because that repetition certainly is learning. And it's going to help them really identify things and slow things down for them. That's going to be one of the really big aspects of this is slowing down everything that's happening because there is so much going on. I think another big piece that we see with new drivers, and I certainly saw this with my kids, is the way this accelerator pedal works. And we've talked about this before. You're going to find some new drivers really want to just slam on the accelerator and then jump to the brake and then go back to the accelerator and then jump to the brake. And really, once you get them trained that they don't have to constantly have their foot accelerating or braking, but there are going to be times where their foot's doing nothing. The car is effectively continuing at the same speed. We don't want them in a city environment leaving their foot over the accelerator. We want to train them to cover the brake and you know move their foot from hovering over the accelerator to hovering over the brake. That doesn't mean applying the brake. That means keeping their foot over the brake so that if they need to brake, they can. If they start resting their foot on the brake, they're going to have their brake lights on, which is going to confuse people behind them. They're also going to be damaging the braking system because they're just going to wear out their brakes faster. But covering the brake is a good thing that, especially when you're first getting going in the city driving, you want to make sure that they're doing this consistently so that they're ready for the surprise that's lurking around the corner. Mike, I know it was a little different when you're working with the driver's ed students because you've got access to that brake on your your own side. But how did you get kids to start paying attention to keeping their foot off the accelerator all the time? And Well, it, it really goes back to what Jeremy says. And he, I know he was talking about um, anticipating a problem. And I mean, I, I hopped on that when I was instruction, instructing all the time, you know, there might be a time where I'd be going down a street, maybe not in an urban environment, and I'd, I'd, I'd have them stop, pull over, and I'd say, what's down the street that's a clue that there could be a danger? And, you know, they'd be looking down the street, and sometimes they wouldn't even see it. But it might be one of those jumpy houses in, in a yard. I said, well, what comes with that? Children. So I go, you're not accelerating as you're going by something like this. You're actually slowing down. And your foot would be on the brake because you have to anticipate a problem and that problem's a child coming out. You had to give them examples as you went along because let's face it, some of these kids, and you probably saw it with your own kids, Dan, when you <laughs> they, they get behind the wheel and it's almost like they're just looking straight. They're, they're, they're not paying attention to what's going around them. And you have to point that out. You know, it's pointing out the obvious, and that's how I did it, and it wasn't always easy to do that. The obvious is one of the difficulties for us as inexperienced instructors, which is what all of our parent listeners are yes. and, and the roles that we're playing. You know, the, pointing out the obvious is a difficult task, and the more practice you're having with it and the more of a good, solid relationship you can build with the new driver you're working with so that they recognize you're pointing this stuff out because you're not sure that they see it. And there's going to quickly be plenty of opportunities. And I think we're going to get into some of these hazards here in a second. But there's a, so many different things that they're not going to be used to. Even the most confident driver who's brand new behind the wheel is going to struggle to quickly realize, oh, my God, you know, there's all these different pedestrians walking out into the street and bicyclists and car doors opening and all these different things that are coming at them. So Jeremy, why don't you take it from here and kind of go into a few more details on those hazards? Yeah, there's just, you're talking about a city environment where there's so many people, there's so much action going on. And this is a, a reminder 
you know, start at those times where it's not as busy because there's going to be enough even then. And parked cars, right? I mean, people are parked awkwardly. Uh, you never know when that car is going to start moving. So start talking about those sort of uh, prediction ideas. You know, what would give us a sign? Okay, we just saw the the rear, you know, brake lights come on. Maybe that car is about to move. But cars entering and exiting those parking spaces and car doors opening suddenly are big ones that a lot of young drivers are going to worry about. And to a certain extent, they should. It's it's an important area. And so just make sure they're being as predictive there as possible. You have things like delivery trucks. And, you know, I actually drove a delivery truck and was in New York City for a little while uh, back in a former life here. And having to double park and try to do things was was really insane. But, you know, it, it's a it's a fact of the cities. This, this is going to happen pretty often. And we need to be aware of, of um, what's going on. And in a world that we're living in right now with delivery trucks constantly, I mean, these things are overflowing with packages and there's so many more than there ever have before with online ordering. We really need to make sure we're watching for something like that. Any vehicle that makes sudden stops, things along those lines. Buses. It's not a huge thing in rural areas, but buses in, in urban areas, it's they're everywhere, right? You have bus-only lanes you might need to worry about depending on the city you're in. And obviously, they're making very frequent stops, and they need to know the rules about passing them, right? Going by the front of a bus can be a very dangerous thing. And so we need to make sure we understand the rules around that as well. We have blind alleys and cars and pedestrians running across streets. Cyclists in cities is, again, with the explosion of electric bikes now, this is becoming an extremely popular thing to see in cities more than it ever has before. Lots and lots of bikes. You know, we talked about blind spots before, but making sure we don't have that blind spot and always realizing that a bike or a motorcycle could be in that area. And then we just have such limited visibility times. There could be a larger truck next to us in the intersection. Intersections are a lot busier. People in some cases are in more of a rush than in some areas. We need to be aware there too. And so these are just some areas that we need to start looking at. This is not by any means the entire spread. What you'll see, you're going to see a lot more than this right? Aggressive drivers in the city, somebody trying to get to that meeting on time, right? A lot more people are going to use their horn. You might want to have that conversation if you live in a city with your young driver about what that horn actually means and how they shouldn't take offense when somebody uses it in their direction and making sure they're staying calm. These are all areas you're going to want to really touch on ahead of time with your driver, prepare them ahead of time, and then talk it through once you're in those situations as well. And obviously, this is why they're suggesting you start with light traffic and then work your way up maybe to medium traffic and then get yourself to when there's some heavy traffic. The last thing you want to do is have either never visited the city or only gone to the city for some Sunday midday visit and then send your team to a rock concert or a bit ball game or something where they're driving on their own with their license and they're all excited to go do this and it is going to be a very rocky experience for them. There is just the volume of distractions and hazards that are going to be in their face is going to be a lot to the point where, you know, hopefully they don't get into a crash, but it certainly has the potential to ruin what would have otherwise been a fun day. There's a little gray box here on this guide that I want to make sure we pointed out, and that's the whole scanning first. You know, one of the points it makes is that when that light turns green, you really need to scan, especially in these city environments, before you start to move forward. You always want to make sure you're aware of the potential for cars to still come into the intersection. But with the sheer volume of vehicles, the number of pedestrians, 
Anybody who's done any city driving knows that as soon as that light turns green, it does not mean that the pedestrians were paying attention, does not mean that the bicyclist necessarily saw it, and it does not mean that there's some cabbie or somebody else just trying to get through that intersection as quickly as they can and not paying attention to the, the red light versus green light issue there whatsoever. Mike, anything as somebody who's spent a lot of time with teens and in, in driving that you would want all parents to know? Sure. And, and one of the things you touched on is vital. These are not, although they're parents, they're not trained instructors. And I think we, we all had that experience where you try to take your, your own child out doing just about anything, instructing on anything, but driving in particular. I've talked to so many parents about this. And there might be some yelling back and forth, I know what I'm doing, and where they wouldn't do that with an instructor. And the other thing is you have to know how confident your child is driving. The Registry of Motor Vehicles wants you to do, I believe it's still 40 hours, uh, although um, that's on the honor system, you take them out. So I had... Several parents come up to me, you know, oh, they were a little nervous about doing this, and I'd get them through it. But then what I would say to the student is, do you drive a lot? Uh, do, you, do you practice a lot? Who do you go out with? Your uncle, your father, your mother? And that that was a good gauge for me. Uh, some of them would say on the first lesson, you know, I've never driven on the highway. Okay, well, I would avoid the highway, you know, th- that first lesson. I-, I just wanted to gauge how they were as just a driver in that hour-long lesson. For me, that was very important, getting some sort of baseline from them, how confident they were, what they weren't confident with. And it's a step-by-step process. I wasn't the only instructor, and in in the next lesson, I may not see that person uh, it might go to another instructor, but we left notes for each other that we went on the highway or they were nervous or whatever, and, and it was really valuable. But I would say if, if you're teaching your own a son or daughter, don't put them into a position, and I think you touched on it a little bit, where they're, they're overwhelmed. And Jeremy was talking about all the distractions in a, in a city environment. Boy, you could really end up in, in, a, in a tough position where so many things are coming at them so, so quickly that you may have may put them a little bit too deep into it. I know how I did it. I I, I did some rural driving, uh, some city driving, if you can call it that, the Hyde Park area. But I will say this, just about every community has a very small area, Needham Center, Norwood Center, Dedham Center, that has a little bit of the urban feel to it. And and I used to, I, I try to bring as many students to that you know, you've got some movement, you've got pedestrians, bikes, people parking, maybe a fire station nearby. So I, I wanted them to be exposed to everything. Mike, that's a great call. I mean, you don't need to drive an hour and a half to get yourself into Boston if it's that far away or, or whatever major city is near you. You can mimic this in, in certain environments. And, and again, I don't think it's a bad idea at some point to make that trek when you're getting close to them going for their license test so that they have that experience with you. But you're, you're absolutely right. There's no reason to continue driving back and forth and, and putting yourself out for that amount of time. We all know how valuable time is. And, and you're right. It is 40 hours in the state of Massachusetts right now that they're asked to drive with their kids. And Jeremy and I have been preaching that we'd love to see over 100 hours. And uh, I will tell you from the standpoint of what I had my daughter do in the night before her road test, which took place at the Watertown, Massachusetts Registry of Motor Vehicles, and lasted, I believe, 
two minutes and 45 seconds or something like that. We were laughing because I said it might only be three minutes and it was under. But we had her, I took our fancy plow truck and put the plow on it and had her drive Storo Drive into Boston and, and then come back home. She looked at me like I'm crazy, but she did it. I just didn't want her to be nervous the next morning. And she had driven plenty of times in the truck and it, it was not a big deal for her to have some of that. But that was a unique situation. I don't think I recommend every parent suddenly throw their kids into a plow truck <laughs> the night before the road test. Well, Mike, Jeremy, I really thank you for joining me today. For those of you who've been listening, we look forward to you hearing us again soon. Bye.